0: Good morning, Cornerstone. Would you stand with us as we worship together? Sing, there's a sound. There's a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's rope as he walks into the room
1: where people pray, where we hear worshiping. He
0: verse again. There's a sound. There's a sound i love to hear.
1: It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray.
0: Song this morning, and it's called Battle Belongs, and I'm going to sing the chorus one time through, and then we'll sing it once together, and you guys can sing it with me. So it goes like this. So when I'll fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands
1: lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to
0: You guys wanna sing it with me once real quick? So when I'll fight, I'll fight on
1: my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
0: All right, let's sing together.
1: Hell where your blood was spilled To your heart
0: this morning, Lord, that you would lead us closer to you, God. Would you rid us of ourselves, God, pull anything away us from a greater awareness of your presence and who you are, Lord. And I pray today as Ron preaches, God, that you would bring us to the cross, that you'd bring us to your feet and remind us who you are and what you've done for us and how much we need you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
2: Good morning. Oof. morning. I get that deep into worship, I can't just turn the page quite that fast. Um, wow, that was powerful. Thank you, Lord. Uh, great worship. Boy, look at this beautiful congregation. I'm sure glad you're here this morning. Um, Tony's in his second Sunday of recovery from uh, prostate cancer, he had it removed uh, a couple of f- weeks ago. I don't remember which day it was, um, but he's doing great. He's uh, expected to be back at work tomorrow, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, when Teresa was texting me uh, as soon as he got out of surgery a couple weeks back, he she said that the doctor felt confident they got it all and everything looked good. And I said, you know, I hope they didn't uh, cut out the snarkiness in him. And she said, uh, not a chance. He's already had to apologize to the nurses, so he he recovers quickly. So. Keep him in your prayers, and we'll get to enjoy his presence next week. This Saturday night, we've been building up to this for several weeks now. I Am They concert. You are not going to want to miss it. So, listen, before we get into volunteers, we're going to talk about um, some, needing some, some help still. We specifically did not open this up to, um, you know, other ticket producers around, So we don't have people coming from the Bay Area and others coming to the concert. We wanted this to be for our folks and your neighbors and friends and extended family. So I think we've got 150, 160 signed up. We need more. So lean in this week and invite folks. Let them know that it's happening. 20 bucks for a ticket. Here's the other thing. You look online and you see there are other venues, and there are quite a bit more money than that, sometimes double in some of those areas. We wanted it accessible. We haven't done a concert like this in quite a long time, so we wanted to have this just as a kickoff celebration that the church is doing over and above Sunday mornings. So please invite your friends and family, and uh, we'll enjoy that concert next Saturday night, 7 o'clock. A lot of volunteers. We've got a lot of volunteers already secured. What else do we need?
0: Yeah, so we really need people with nice vehicles who have lots of seats who can help us drive I Am They up and down the hill. They are staying in South Reno. So the biggest need that we have right now is people that can volunteer to pick them up Friday, take them to the airport Monday, bring them up and down Saturday so they can shower at their hotel and come back here. And then then on Sunday take them up and down because they'll be here next an day and then on Monday take them to the airport. That's so. your
2: chance to hobnob with the hobnobs. Yes. So let so me tell you.
0: If you feel social and you have a safe car, please email me. My email is elena at cornerstonecommunity.net. And then if you also just want to help load in, if you want to help work the merch table, if you want to be on standby running snacks and food and water to the band, that would be a huge blessing also. So if you feel led and you want to serve on that Saturday for a really cool band and a really cool team and an opportunity for our church to worship, just email me and we'll get you plugged in.
2: Thanks, Elaine. It's going to be great. Hey, some other things we got going on. We've got worship night. Um, is that August 6th? Okay, f- Friday night. August 6th, 7 o'clock, make sure that you uh, put that to your calendar. Those aren't any tickets for that. This is just a night that we come and we just enjoy some extended worship with our band and have a great time in the presence of the Lord. Mops summer camp and VBS Jessica is hitting the ground running full force and these are all programs that our new children's director is kicking off for the fall you can see uh, we had a June 28th meeting if you're interested Tuesday the 22nd is the next one from 10 to noon and then uh, Monday August 30th so uh, come with questions uh, sign up for that you can get a hold of Jessica at her email address there Jessica at Uh, The soccer camp starts a week from tomorrow, so Monday the 19th. Is that right? Great week for your kids. Get them signed up. Um, Happened a couple years ago. It didn't happen last year because of COVID. Nothing happened last year because of COVID. COVID's in the rearview mirror, so we got all this going on. It's a great week. Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3, and then Friday, 9 to noon, so it's packed with a whole bunch of stuff. Get your kids signed up for that, and then VBS. We have a slide on that. So Tuesday, August 17th through Friday the 20th, 8.30 in the morning till noon. So make sure, if you've got questions on that too, this is all Jessica as well, shoot her an email and she'll respond. You're going to want to get your kids signed up for that as well. So, whew, great, lots going on and it's just the summer. Wait till the fall hits. So, hey, we've got Ron that's coming and bringing the word, but before we do that, let's stand one last time. Find somebody you've never seen before. Introduce yourself, give them a warm cornerstone Welcome.
3: Okay, folks, it is time. (laughs) Uh oh, there's the buzz. Well, welcome this beautiful Sierra Sunday. Love it up here. Even if it's a little warm, hey, we got a beautiful lake. this, this message is, I entitled it, Is Christ Your Home or Are You Just Visiting? And it's an important question to ask. It comes out of 1 John chapter two, one and two. Uh, Pastor Tony preached in Romans 12 two weeks ago. And he, and he talked about how to be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he had a whole list of things that. We should be doing, and that what it would look like. Well, the, 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 that's the what we should do. This is the why we should do it. So it, it it gives us the motivation and the power to want to obey, because we can't do it on ourselves. And it's you know, it, and, and God never intended us to do it by ourselves. So He wanted our hearts right towards Him. And so this is such a a key message. So let's open in prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you don't change. Your word doesn't change. We can count on it. Your plans for us never change. I pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts, that we would hear what you have to say today. God, sink deep into our lives, that we would be content only when we're close to you. And I praise you, God, for your love for us. Be with us and prepare us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can turn to 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first six verses. But we're going to focus on the first two. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Oh, before I go, I'm passing out Bibles, Neil, if anyone needs a Bible. Just raise your hand, and they'll bring it to you. And 1 John is way towards the end of the Bible, just a few pages in front of Revelations. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And again, these verses we can look at and think, oh, I, 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 I can't do this. This is so difficult. But let's focus on just the first two verses. Because really the, the, the problem we have as is, is, is Christ followers is that we can get it backwards. And then we start focusing on sin and what not to do, and then we put Christ underneath, and it just wears us out, because we can't do it. We've got to get it right, we've got to put Christ above. Yes, sin matters, but it's not what we focus on. It's, it's, it's like it's playing a sport and, and focusing on, oh, you know, going out for a pass in football and saying, don't let me drop the ball, don't let me drop the ball, what are you gonna do? You're gonna drop the ball. No, you just, you play. You go for it. And when we get it backwards, dryness in our faith, because everything has consequences. We lower our expectations of Christ because we're living according to our own expectations of us. And that ends in two different ways. You either become self-righteous or you wear out. There is no middle ground. Or you just develop this I-can-do-it-alone attitude. And I'll just talk to God. I'll bring him out of my pocket when I need him. And we tell God what we need and pray, but then if it's not going right away, we go, oh, I'm here. I'll help you, God. You know, that's that's getting it backwards, not putting Christ as king of our life. And it's important that we stay there and, and, and practice staying there. Now, there, there are mountain people, and there are beach people. Some people just love the beach. And I, and I love to visit the beach. But for me, living in the mountains is where I want to be. I love lakes and rivers and the trees and all the activities up here. And it's just what I chose to do. I, I visit the ocean. And some of you might be backwards, and, and I'll pray for you. But, <laughs> but it's a choice. And we have the same choice. We can either live on the mountain with Christ or we can live in the world. And sometimes we like to visit and say, okay, God, you know, just make me feel better. And then now I'm going to go back to the world. That's not how we're designed. So let me give you the background. First, the, the, the author of this is John, John the Apostle. He wrote the Gospel of John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote Revelation. He wrote it when he was about 80 or 90 years old. So he had a lot of wisdom, and he actually tells us why he he wrote it. And he said, first of all, that the readers might have true fellowship and relationship with God. That's what he wanted. And I love the fact that he starts the whole letter out with my little children. You know, he doesn't say, hey, you people, you know, to whom it may concern, it's like You're in my family. I hope you understand this. The second purpose is to to make sure they understood that God is light, and we are free to walk in that light. We're welcome to walk in that light. And we're fooling ourselves if we're living in darkness. The third is that just by him sharing this message makes his joy complete. Isn't that something? There's an 80-year-old guy, 90-year-old God. Guy, and he says, just by sharing this, I'm completing my joy because this is what God called me to do. And then, lastly, just to correct the people who at the time were saying, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, we can earn our way to heaven and, you know, we we can, you know, memorize verses and do certain things and then we can go live our lives. But it doesn't work like that. And in Romans 6, 17, Paul says something very similar. He says, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. I love that. From the heart, not the head. Paul understood this. Obedience comes from here. We don't make it happen. To that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Though we're entirely in a new position before Christ because of what he did. So my message today has three points. Our hallucination, our hope, and our home. So point number one, our hallucination. And that, and that is like we pretend that sin doesn't matter or that it's this, this thing that, that uh, well, you know, I just don't want to think about. Well, sin, sin, sin does matter. And we have to get that straight in our heads. God is serious, very serious about sin. Right there, the plea, First John 2, 1, in the beginning, my little children, I'm writing these t- things to you so that you may not sin. And actually, a better translation, uh, it, it, he knew they were going to sin. We all sin. But he was simply warning them it's, it's like a father warning a kid not to play in the street. You're going to get hurt. It's not like a father that's just tired and worn out and yelling at his kids to go to bed because he just wants silence. No, this was a heartfelt, listen to me. This is where the fullness of life is lived. So, yes, it's a warning, but it's also a path to a real life. Because he was talking to a church, as I said before, that the people didn't think their physical lives really mattered. They could do anything they want. And they were focused mainly on knowledge. So, uh, so they were called the Gnostics. And, and what they did is if, if you, you, your value was based on what you memorized, what you knew about God. But it wasn't based on who you were. Basically, they were coming just like the Pharisees. Look at me, look how holy I am. And this isn't a theology 101. Uh, This is a promise, it's a plea to a holy people whom he loved. And and, and, and instead of saying, uh, uh, if you sin, it should be, and when you sin, he gave a path where to go. He's basically saying, I told you God is light. Not so that you could put a bumper sticker on your car, but that you would live in God's light, and it would change your life. And and really, sin is the root that we think we have a right to our own lives. Think about that. We have no right to our lives. We are not independent of God. God designed us to be in front of him and allow him to work through us, through the Holy Spirit. He gave us what we needed, and he's saying, if you want a full, purposeful life, listen to me. Don't listen to me and and just obey thinking you're earning brownie points. I've done all the foundational work for you. Now live from that. Live out of your thankfulness to me. Because think about Adam. What was his sin? His sin was eating fruit. Is eating fruit a sin? No. It was his thinking. He's thinking, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to listen to Eve, and I'm going to join her in this. It can't be that bad. But the root was they had a right to their own lives. And we do that so often because it feels right. We do things in our life when we're thinking, well, this will make me happy. This is going to work. And then there's consequences that we have to deal with afterwards. Uh, We went to uh, Bass Lake for a bunch of years, many years back, and uh, uh, I would put up a zip line. Uh, The river at that point, going into the lake or part of the lake, was maybe 70 feet wide, and one bank was about 12 feet tall, and it had a tree on it. So I'd put, had this big rope, and I'd tie it high on that tree and run it to the other side, and then you put a pulley on it, a little rope, and a handle. So you'd grab that thing, and you'd go out to the middle of the, the, the river, lake, and then you'd drop maybe 15 feet into the lake. It was really fun. and uh, But you had to get the handle back. And so there was a tagline, a, uh, a thin little line that you'd tie on the top, and then when the person jumped off, someone would have to get the tagline and, and swim it back to the shore, go up the shore. So it took a little longer, but it's, it's just how you had to do it. So I told uh, some guys I was with, I said, don't tie this tagline off. Bad things can happen if you tie it off. Just let it go. Well, you know, I don't care if you want to swim it well, you know. People don't listen. (laughs) So somebody, I was down having lunch, and somebody decided, well, it would be a lot quicker if we just tied off the end, and then we'll pull it back. And sure, sure, it was... I don't know if it was the first person that went on it or not. It was one of the the ladies grabbed the handle, and as she jumped off, she kind of twisted. Well, that tagline wrapped around her. So uh, she's in the middle of the the, uh, river, and boom, she gets pulled, dropped into the lake, broke her back. Uh, I was so angry. I'm thinking, why didn't you listen to me? You know, you, that's why you don't tie these things off. But it's not thinking. And that's that's like sin. God tells us to do something, and we go, ah, don't worry, God, I got this. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna get away with it. And no, it doesn't work like that. We never get away with that. And I'm so glad that we have scripture. Because it's the only foundation of truth that does not change. God does not change. His plans for us do not change. And we can take hope and we can take confidence in that. And in fact, you know, we need to call ourselves Christ followers, not Christians. Christians, it's come to mean nothing in this culture. I'm a Christian because I read the Bible once when I was a kid. I'm a Christian because uh, I believe that there, there was a Jesus. Well, what does it say in Scripture? It says, even the demons believe and they shudder. So it's not belief in the head. It's a relationship in the heart. And because we have such a, a powerful book, I mean, we'd be in big trouble if this was only a rule book because we can make lists of do's and don'ts, check them off each day, and feel really good about ourselves. Or we could just look at the things we shouldn't do, make sure we don't do those things, and be perfectly happy. But that's not abundant life. That's burden life. In fact, it reminds me of the story of Peter in Luke, where he said, Jesus, I will never fail you. If you go to Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31... Jesus is talking and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. <laughs> and Jesus says, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster will crow three times, You will deny me three times. Amazing. Amazing. Jesus knew he was going to fail. Yet he's telling Peter, remember this conversation. I'm not leaving you. I'm not punishing you. Come back to me and then use that failure for others. Powerful time. So what was really the focus of Peter? His own strength. Oh, no, God, I'm strong enough. No one's going to make me deny you. I'm a type A personality. I'm strong enough on my own. Jesus was saying, no, you're going to fail. But guess what? When you fail, the door is going to be open for you, not closed. That's our hallucination. And again, if we stop with what we think about sin and the message stops with sin, you know, we all walk away going, this is too tough. So let's move it to hope. In 1 John... Two, one, the second half, and in and, and, and verse uh, of, of the first verse and uh, verse two, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. That's the truth. Period. That's a promise. It defines who Christ is—an advocate. It's a helper, it's a mediator, it's an intercessor, and one who appears on another's behalf. It's a legal term. Christ advocates for us by turning the focus on himself and what he did. And in fact, the same word, advocate, is used for the Holy Spirit. So you have Jesus, our advocate, helper, and you have the Holy Spirit, our helper, helper teacher in john 14 16 i will ask the father and he will give you another helper not i'm going to give you the helper i'm going to give you another helper meaning we're going to both help you that he may be with you forever and john 14 26 but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that i said to you though right there We are promised the tools to thrive. Think about that. We have no excuse. Nothing changes. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got Jesus on our side. My goodness, we've got it all. And Jesus is also the propitiation, which is the appeasement of God's anger. It's paid for. It's bought. And that's past, present, and future future. Jesus is the instrument for appeasing the requirements for justice from a holy God. Think about that. There has to be justice. Because the God just said, oh, don't worry about it, I know you're going to be sinners, you know. It's, it's like a bad parent. Their kid keeps doing bad things and making excuses for him. No, God says, you are a sinner, and I need to punish you. But ultimately, what John was saying was that we need to focus on Jesus, not sin, and not to to be better at not sinning. Not that sin is not important, but it's not the focus of our lives. Keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) So he's taking a message of condemnation and guilt to a message of hope. And that's that's what we need. We need to live in that hope. Have you ever looked at a hologram, you know, those, those pictures, and you, you see a picture of a flower, and then you stare at it, and, and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a sailing ship on an ocean. I, I'm horrible at that. I see a flower. Now, that's a flower. But the, the other people, I don't know, you can refocus your eyes, and you see what's behind it. So it's like Jesus is saying, look at that sin, Now, I want you to look past the sin, and what do you see? You see Christ on the cross. That's what I want you to focus on. And when we get it wrong, our eyes go back on that sin. That's not where we're supposed to live. That is so important. We need to see his work and his forgiveness. This is where we need to live day to day hour by hour with a picture of christ in our minds he is the one that changes us and when we live here when our comfort comes from him or when we waver or drift from him we feel the drifting and we know where to go to regroup So to truly understand obedience, you must start with Christ. Without a true understanding and focus on Christ, but a focus on sin, it will always lead us to guilt and condemnation or self-righteousness or liberalism where you just go, forget sin, that doesn't matter. God paid for it, so I'm going to live like I want. No, you're missing the whole point, point. you're missing the power of the cross. And Christ doesn't win. This is not true because he has a a superior argument. It's true because he's a superior person and a superior sacrifice. And it's a done deal. Why punish a person when the penalty has already been exacted? I mean, in our country, that's double jeopardy. You go go to, to a trial, they can't convict you once and then convict you again. For the same thing well that's what jesus is saying i have paid it you are guilty and god's justice in proverbs 17 15 says acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent the lord detests them both that's a simple definition of justice not hey he got off scot free or you know we found a way out or no if you're guilty you should be punished If you're innocent, you should be set free. But we don't have the clout or the character to think we can walk up to God and say, ah, you know, sorry, God, let's just be friends. Because God hates sin. So this is more about the character of a holy, sinless God who can't be around sin. There must be a penalty, or he's not just. Sin has to be dealt with, not ignored. And... Think about this. Jesus does not plead our innocence. He pleads our guilt. He's saying, you are guilty, but I'm going to pay the penalty for you. So we're free. We're free from that. Then he shows God the Father, his hands where the nails were hammered through, his forehead where the thorns tore into his flesh, his back where the whip took away and, and, and scarred him down to his bones. He displays the cross with his blood staining it. So yes, sin is important. And yes, we are guilty. But God says, I will pay the price. I have paid the price. So even though the verdict is guilty, what's our penalty? It's freedom. And adoption as sons in the family of God. Because the penalty, amen, the penalty has been paid. So that's why we can never stop our message at sin. You got to be better. You got to do this. No, go to the hope. Focus on the cross. Think about Christ and live there. Because it's the only hope this world has. Because God loves us so hallucination to hope to home God wants to see our see us in our hope in spite of our sins so that we would see the freedom through the forgiveness he has given us so we can love him because he loved us first We are free not to sin because we are no longer slaves to sin. This is so powerful to think about. We read Romans 6, 17 earlier. Let me read it again. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. Your emotions, where your thinking is, where where everything's put together, to that form of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Powerful. Because the people that he, he was talking to, they were really thinking, okay, all I need to do is memorize some verses. All I need to do is attend church. Donate some money. Belong to a home study. You know, I'll throw up a prayer at dinner and God will be happy. No. And in fact, if if you really think about it, John has set up a prescription to sin at will if they misunderstood this. But that's what freedom's about. When you are free in God's world, you are free to follow Him. But unfortunately, we are also free to drift away from Him. He never leaves us, He's always there. There's just no power there. You know, Jesus didn't do the easiest thing he could. He did the most costly. Any father would lay down his life for his children. But it's unspeakable to think that God our Father sacrificed his son to appease his anger and cancel out and give us freedom. But he did. He did because he truly, truly loves us. So our hallucination is the deceitfulness of sin. Our hope is about Christ and what he did on the cross. In our home, it's not where we visit. It's where power and purpose is felt. That's for the fullness of life and value and comfort and peace. That should be the, the definition of the Christ follower. So I just want to conclude with a few things. The worship team can kind of start coming up. These verses are about the importance of our actions, that sin counts, but it isn't the end all. God is the light to light up our path as we live with him daily. We are disciples of, not observers we are participants not spectators god did not call us into a theater for our entertainment but called us into a changed life to be filled with him that is the answer to our country's problems that's the answer to our church effectiveness god's church effectiveness Let's come out of here thinking about calling ourselves and living like true Christ followers, not just Christians. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope you have given us. That in spite of all the things that we keep doing, you still love us and you have a plan for us. And I pray, God, that we would live in your light that we would truly understand what it's like and see the difference, feel the difference. From our hearts and our heads, we praise you, God. Use us each and every day, draw us to you, in Jesus' name.
0: you guys. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you next week.